0: Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influencers Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you, and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influencers.church. And now for our message. But today we continue part two of our series on Jesus and His beautiful bride. Today we're talking about the church. Do you love the church? Do you love Jesus? And the truth is... Jesus has chosen to be one with His church. And as we love Jesus, we are called to love His church. The church! The church is an organisation that has stood the test of time. It has birthed hospitals, schools and aid to every nation in the world. It has branches in every nation on earth and nearly every city and town. It is a place for every nationality, every age, every sex, every education level and every life position. It is not a gallery for perfect people, but a school for imperfect ones, whose attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood is to a sick Man. And while it has many critics, it has no rival. Its mechanisms are feeding the hungry, giving homes to the homeless and hope to the hopeless. We provide life insurance and life assurance. We have publications, music and movies that bring life into any situation in any nation. Providing marriage stability and support because at its core, we are a family. It's where a place where you don't get dividends, but you reap a harvest. And in its presence is found His glorious presence. Its head can cure any incurable disease. Its leader designed and commissioned the world's first sea vessel and provides intergalactic travel powered by trumpet, offering the greatest life principles from cradle to the grave. Our leader owns a cattle on a thousand hills and his home and offices are paid with gold and his gates are of pearl. We have an army of 2.2 billion. We have our own language that you don't have to learn. It is directly downloaded through our spirit realm. It is free to join. Our CEO paid the bill and everyone has direct access to its leader who is simultaneously our father, our brother, our groom, our saviour, our head, our judge and our friend. We are completely powered by wind. We are bought by the sun, built by its owner and the gates of hell, the Facebook bloggers, the newspaper writers and the New Age doubters will not prevail. We are called The church, and she is his beautiful bride. And our head, our leader, our builder, our CEO is our ever present help in a time of need, our soon coming king. It's builder, our bridegroom. His name is Jesus Christ, and of his kingdom there will be no end. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you that you chose that we would be part of the church. We thank you that you gave your life and established the church to be your mechanism, your organization, your family, your method to get your love to the world, your healing to the world, your grace to the world, your restoration to the world. So Jesus, let us be renewed today as we are taught, as we learn, as we look at Scripture and hear what you would have to say about your beautiful bride, the church. In Jesus' name we all asked, amen. The 18th of November, 2006, I married Jana Beezy. And uh, we got married at Enfield Baptist around the corner from here. And, and it was there we did what was the most important part of our ceremony, we made our vows. When I married, I married a lot of people and there's a lot of nice parts to any wedding. But the most important part of any wedding are the vows. They are a moment where we give devotion to one another. Not just we experience devotion, we give devotion. To give devotion means to give ourselves wholly, to make a vow. To say, I am set apart for you. It's here, I give myself, I make a commitment. I give myself to you and to no one else. Wholly, completely, and without competition. So I made promises of devotion to protect her. Promises of devotion to provide for her. My devotion was to pray for her. My devotion was to prioritise her. We have a lot of Ps there. My devotion to play with her. My devotion to pander to every need. My devotion to party with her. I'm out. And it's there, as we get married, we make these promises of devotion and what we get in return are two things. We have presence with each other We are present in life, we don't get married and do life and then go live our individual lives. We make commitment to live in each other's presence and experience and give each other's benefits. By being married to Shana and her to myself, we therefore receive benefits. We, we receive each other's wisdom. We, we receive each other's grace. We benefit from each other's personality and experiences in life. We benefit from each other's uh, 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 way of viewing people and situations. We, we benefit from each other. In a marriage, you have both presence and benefits as a result of devotion. And the truth is, there is no one else or nothing else that can replace her or fulfill what she's to give to my life and me to her life because we are one. Everyone say one. one. Not, not just two people that joint, we become one. Financially, emotionally, physically, relationally, with our priorities, there's, there's no one else. I mean, there are people that add to our relationship. There are people in situations that contribute financially or relationally for sure. But there is no one that is more important or more central to me than Jana because we are one together. She comes first. You would say this, my world revolves around Shans. That Shans is central to my world. Is that fair? Jesus' bride is the church. The church worldwide that He loves more than any of us could imagine. A church that He decided He would be one with. A church that he decided he would give himself physically Relationally, emotionally, completely, with all priority, it was given fully to the church, the big picture of the church. And God has placed and positioned you and I locally in an expression of His church. He allows us and asks us to be devoted and committed to His lo- local church for practical and logical outworking of what He sees in His big picture church God's plan is a church the church is the gathered I encourage you today God I want to relieve you of any pressure or stress God is not looking for you to attend church today he's not by turning up he hasn't doesn't a big list in heaven and goes tick they made it now actually God wants you to be the church today there is such a difference from us gathering in the church and being the church. There's a difference from coming to church and being in church. There's a moment in worship I noticed today, as people come in, and, and some come on time, some come five minutes early, ten minutes early, fifteen minutes early, nearly, you know, eighteen minutes early, I mean late, sorry, five minutes late, ten minutes, no one comes twenty minutes early, but uh, but ten minutes late, fifteen minutes late, but there's a point where suddenly I notice we all stop thinking, and we all stop just watching, and, and you know when you get in, it takes a few minutes, but there was a moment in worship today where we weren't just in church, where we all were the church and you felt the presence of God. Why? Because He's not looking for attendance to create a space for His presence. He's looking for us to be the church in worship and then all of a sudden we receive His benefits and His presence. God is looking for us to be the church because when we are the church to each other, the church is the answer to the world's loneliness. The church is the answer to depression. The church is the answer to sickness, the church is the answer to lack, the church is the answer to unrest, come on, the church is the answer to inequality, and it is the method that God chose, it is the way God chose to see His kingdom expanded and the earth saved. Come on, are you with me today? I'm teaching this. The reality is, you you may not have chosen the church, and often that's because a person hurts us, and, and the truth is... We get hurt in family, we, we get hurt in marriage, we, we, we get hurt in, in life, but God placed us with them so we go on with them and we find restoration and healing. There's moments that church hurts and the truth is it's people that hurt. It's not the picture that God had for us. But when we fully are the church, you may not have chosen it, but when He chose you and you chose Him and He chose attach Himself to the church, we have to choose to attach ourselves to what He attaches Himself to. And the truth is, Jesus is devoted to His church. Jesus is devoted to using His church. Jesus is devoted to giving His benefits to the church. Jesus is devoted to building His church. And Jesus is devoted to protecting His church. You need to understand today that the church is the only institution or organisation, the only answer in Scripture that Jesus is committed to building. The church is the only partner that Jesus promises to bless. When Jesus was going to the cross, His time spent in prayer in those last moments with His disciples were fully focused on the church. And when Jesus rose again and made the journey towards His ascension, His focus of His ministry and teaching was to set up kingdom outworked through the church. The truth is, we cannot love Jesus and help, we cannot love Jesus and not love His bride. We cannot attach ourselves to Jesus and not attach ourselves to His church. And we cannot give our life to Jesus and not give to the church. When we love Jesus, He is one with the church and He has called us to give ourselves wholly to, uh, love, attach ourselves, pray for and be the church. So what is the church? I wanna encourage you today that the church is way more than a building. And so often when we think we're going to the church, we're going to a building to experience in worship and the Word, but even more so, and I'll show you today, we could see all that God has for us when we come to be the church. We don't go to Connect Group, we are the church in Connect Group. That even when we're apart, we're called to be the church. The church is more than a building, the church is us. The church is more than attendance, The church is us being devoted to Jesus and us devoted to one another. The church is us more than just coming. The church is the gathering of like-minded people that choose to do life together, that know we're better together, that know that we can find God's fullness of His benefits and His presence when we are together. It is more than you separate. It is more than me alone. It is more than a service we go to. The church is us. Let me show you an example in Scripture where Jesus talked to us because Jesus was never just talking to an individual. Even when He did, it was for the point of view of connecting them into community. I'm going to teach a lot on this next week. I'm just teaching. Are you cool with me just teaching you today? I'm going to help you. Are you cool with me teaching today? Uh, I just want to help you to grow. So when Jesus was talking, He was talking with the perspective of the church. So we go to the book of Matthew and Jesus says this, and I just want to break it down for you a little bit today. Says this again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Can I just break down this passage of scripture for you as we just go into this growing season? Firstly, he says, truly. Everyone say, truly. Truly. Why does Jesus have to say truly? Because Surely whatever Jesus says is true. He doesn't need to convince us that what He says is true because He only speaks truth. This is why Jesus says truly, because in our world there would be so many truths that aren't really His truth. So He has to cut through all the garbage. He has to cut through all the noise. He has to cut through all the bloggers. He has to cut through all of the opinions to say, no, no, truly. The reality is he's saying what I'm about to tell you is true because the truth is you go on Facebook, everyone's got an opinion about the church. It's amazing to see how some people after 2,000 years of the church functioning and outworking the will of God with all of its blemishes that people live with and all of the things the church has done well. There's people that go, wow, suddenly after 2,000 years of the church operating, I've worked out what Jesus really meant with the church and we've had it wrong all of this time. No, the church that God established is beautiful and wonderful and while we are imperfect, God is outworking His plan through the church. So He says, it's okay. Cut out all the noise. Listen to me. Truly, everyone say, Truly, truly, I tell you that if two, everyone say two. He's making a point here. You'll notice in this passage, he says two or more or two or three twice. He has to know because we live in such an individualistic world that the church is never you alone. The church is us. It's the two or more. It's more than me. When he refers to the church, he's referring to the Greek. The word is the ecclesia. The Ecclesia, this is what the Ecclesia means. It's the gathering, not just separately, but the church is the gathering of those that are called out. What does it mean? It means we are called out of the world into the kingdom of God to have a different perspective. And it's there as we gather, we become the church that are called out of the world. Never alone, alone where the bridesmaids that are there to champion, brag on and love the bride. Either way, the end result is that the bride is the focus because the bride is waiting for the groom. But God calls us out and gathers us together. This is where the authority and power is found. So truly I tell you that two and you on earth Agree. That word agree in the Greek is the word that we get the word symphony from. Why does this matter? Because a symphony is different instruments played by different people with different sounds coming together with one conductor and one song. And they come together and they harmonize. What is he saying? He's saying... With your opinion and your opinion and your opinion and your opinion and your experience and your experience and your experience and your experience and your gifting and your gifting and your gifting and your gifting, your knowledge and your knowledge and your knowledge and your knowledge and your background and your history and your culture and your race and your life experience, together we are called with all of our individual sounds to choose to come and follow the conductor, that is Jesus, that He appoints, we'll see this later, in Scripture, apostles and leaders and teachers and pastors to help us to come together to have one beautiful, harmonized sound as the church. So when we come together with our different giftings and choose to gather and harmonize about anything. Everyone say anything. Anything. There's so much more than Jesus just speaking. There's so much here. Anything. You know what anything means? Anything. Not just the... What we see, this is the exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ask, think, or imagine. I believe God has way more power to be, who, who believes we should see more miracles and, and more breakthrough and, and, and more prophecy and, and more healings, and, and everything that God has more, more of His presence. I don't. We see some things, we don't see anything, do we? You know why? Because His plan was for it to be at work through the church. Sometimes we're waiting for the healing evangelist and there's a gift on that, the one person that can come and, and, and move and then go home. I think we will see anything when we become fully the functioning, operating, loving family of God, the church that He's called us to be. God's plan is not that we just get something. It's that anything can happen. That when we come together and we gather and we agree in symphony, even though we have different sounds, different experiences, we put that to the side to sing the same song. There, God will do anything and it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. It's here Jesus' benefits are realized in the church. When you are in marriage, you get the benefits. If you want the fullness of God's benefits in your life, you need to be part of His church. Because he didn't say to us. He said to his church, we would know the benefits. Some of the people get hurt, and they pull away from church. And I get so worried. And they think it's about attendance when we call them and say, we love you. Can you gather again? Come together. It's not about attendance. It's about that God's benefits are realized when we're in us His healing, His grace, His provision, His wisdom, His his, his help is found through the church. His benefits are not just for you and me. His benefits are for the church, and we get to be a part of it. So when you are devoted to Jesus and devoted to each other, you get His benefits. He then goes on to show the full picture and says again, where two, it's more than me, it's the gathering of those called out, gather. He now remakes the point in the same place together. This is corporately, this is in homes. This means we're moving in the same direction. Together means even when you go to your workplace, when you go to your school, when you go to your university, when you go to your neighbourhood, the gathered saints then separate, but we are still one body moving in one direction, even when we go through our own life. It says when we gather in my name, whose name? Jesus' name. Who is the head? Jesus, who is the groom? Jesus, who is the conductor? Jesus. so if it's in his name that means by his will his plans, his methods and his purposes. what was the will, the method, the plan and the purpose that Jesus chose to outwork kingdom through? it was the church. so we don't just gather in his name but we gather in his will, his method his plans and his purposes which are outworked through the church. he says there. I am with them. When I devoted myself to Shana, we get each other's benefits and each other's presence. When we are a part of the church, the first sentence, it will be done, you will know the benefits of God. And then the second promise, I will be with them, you will know his presence in your life. Who wants the presence of God in your life in a greater way? The answer is not found individually, it's found together. Who wants the benefits of God in their life? I do. But it's actually not just found for me. It's found with us. Are you doing okay today? He'll pour out the fullness of His benefits to the church. And to know He'll pour out His presence in the church. So to know this, we have to prioritize it. To have His benefits and His presence, we have to prioritize what He prioritizes to use, and that is the church. So let me go to a scripture, and I'm going to break this down for you through three different versions. I'm going to go to Ephesians 1, verse 22 to 23. And what I'm going to show you is three different versions of the same scripture. And you might go, Josh, why are you doing this? Well, sometimes when I say talk to someone or talk to our staff and our team, I will try and describe what God is showing me or what season we're going into, what's next. And some people will catch on to what I'm saying. But some people be like, what's he talking about? Who's ever had that in church when I'm talking? All of you, who are we kidding? And then Shana will say to the team, oh no, this is what Josh is saying. And she'll say it in her way. We're saying the same thing, but said in a different way to get to the same destination. And some people go, oh, now I get it. But there's still a percentage of people who are like, I have no clue what either of them are saying. And then Caroline says, this is what they're saying, really straight. And they're like, ah, I get it. This is what happens in Scripture. All three of these versions are saying the same thing. They're just merely said from three different voices or perspectives in order to get to the same direction to help you see the fullness of what God is saying through Paul in this writing. Does that make sense? So let's go to the Scripture, Ephesians 1, verse 22, and let's start in the New Living Translation. It says, God has put all things, everyone say all things. All Not just some things, all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head of all things for the, read it with me, benefit of me. Uh-oh. No. The benefit of the church. And the church is his body and made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere now his presence, benefits, and presence with himself. First thing I'll show you here is all things for the benefit of the church. Come on again, who wants God's benefits? Well, what are they? Well, there's too many lists, but in Psalm 103, it gives us a few. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Keep it up. The benefits of Jesus, it says here, are of the church. The benefits of Jesus are realised in the church. I believe it's in the church that you get to know the fullness of His forgiveness. It's in the church that you get to know the fullness of His healing. It's when we're the church that you get to have your life fully know the redemptive power of Christ. It's in the church and when you're part of a church and contributing to the church that you get to know His loving kindness and His mercy. It's there that your needs get met, all the good things of your life get met when you are in the church and your youth. You never have to grow old and think, I sit on the shelf. No, in the body of believers, whether young or old, there is a place for you where you can contribute and add and grow because all of the benefits of Christ were given as a gift to His bride, the church. Can I say something confrontational today? God's benefits are actually not just for you. They're for His church. And maybe, maybe if I can, because we're human and we get it right. But sometimes we get it right, but not like, right, right. Sometimes we've just said, you yeah, and He does. He wants to heal you. But sometimes we made it feel like it's just about you. Or yeah, right. well, when I pray, I think it's just about me. Yeah. Truth is, His benefits are not actually for me. They're for us. Yeah, yeah. And as the body of believers, as the church, I get to be a part of it. Take God's power is not just for you but it's seen in us. Let me say something now really controversial, but I think I can back it scripturally. Jesus didn't come to be my personal savior. I'm asking you to be mature in this today, which I've said. No, for God so loved the, loved the world. I'm gonna teach you on this next week, take some scripture and show you how, it actually hardly ever says me or my, it's our and us. He came to save the world and we get to be a part of that. I get to be a part and I get to be included in his redemptive plan for the world. But I've made salvation all about me. So then I go on thinking God is there to meet all of my needs rather than me be part of his redemptive plan for the planet. Come on, am I helping anyone today? We have to have a, come on. God's good, right? We have to have a perspective shift because the world is so icentric. centric We live in a world that is so radically individual that we then think all of God and His benefits and His presence is just for me. But actually, it's for us, and we individually get to be a part of that. Is that making sense today? If you want to have a chat after the con- I'm on the you. I'd love to like, bounce this and thrash it out if it doesn't make sense. So let's now go to another perspective. Let's go to the message version. He's in charge of it all. Has the final word at everything. At the center of all of this, this Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. Can I explain this to you? Peripheral means means on the edge. If I can, there's what's in the center and there's what's peripheral. There's what's most important and what's peripheral. So what it says is, it's actually not like this. It's not the church is on the edge or the margins or on the side of my life, but it actually says, reverse it, it says that the, the world is peripheral, the world is on the margins, the world is on the outside of the church. See, there was a day, there was a day where the church was in the center of town. That when they would build a town, they would put church in the centre of town. And why would they do this? It was a statement of how they lived. It was, the church is at the centre of my priorities. The church is at the centre of my time. The church is at the centre of this community. The church is at the centre of my life. But what happened is, as time went on and the world has moved from a community to a me-centric world. Come on, who would believe the world is getting more selfish? Yeah. Who, who believes the world has gone from community to me? It's more about me than us and my life, my space, my, my, my time, my, my needs, my priority, my selfie. And what happened is, physically is a representation of what happened spiritually. Churches moved to the peripheral of town. Churches move to the margins of town, to the outside of town. And this is a picture of what happens in us. Church moves to the edge of our priorities. Churches move to the edges of our energies. And the truth is, as a church member, as a Christian, we often feel marginalized. Why? Because we literally are being pushed to the margins, and we eventually believe what the world says about us rather than what Jesus said about us. So God establishes a different order. Can I show you this? Let me say it this way, I'm just trying to take scripture and put it in modern day terms. Today, the church revolves around our world. That's not what God's plan is. What he's saying is your world is called to revolve around the church. This is, a, this is literally a cut out of me. It's the first time I've been six foot in my life. It's wonderful. <laughs> Some people going to struggle with this, but it's biblical and scriptural. And we get wondering why do we know the presence and benefits of God fully in our life? Heshe says, your family, well, church has to be central to your family. Church has to be central to your career. Church has to be central to your giftings. Church has to be central to your relationships. Church has to be central to your dreams. Church has to be central to your life. He's saying your life is to revolve around the method, the organization, the methodology, the conduit, the way Jesus decided to pour out His benefits, His wisdom, His healing, His restoration, His teaching, His grace, and His presence. He chose to do it through the church. And the only way all areas of your life are balanced, whole, and blessed is when the church is at the center of your life. It's making sense today. But of course I'm gonna say that. I'm the pastor. Well, let's invite Darren and Caroline Fowles. Can we give it up for them today? See, I want them to talk for a moment about how they made a decision. And I look at their kids, and I love their kids. I love how they serve God. Imperfect, but live beautifully balanced, following Jesus, selfless lives in a lot of ways. But they chose to put church in the center of the family. Why? How?
1: Yeah, well early in the in the early days when the little tackers, we had a thought that shaped our parenting. And that was that thought was that young children have trouble separating Jesus and the church. Similar to the dentist. <laughs> you don't like the dentist. If you don't like the establishment, it doesn't matter how nice and wonderful that dentist is yes. within the establishment, you don't like the dentist. Wow. And so we just thought, if, we need, if we're going to teach them how to love Jesus, we need to love the church. Wow. So that was a
2: decision we made. And just some ways that we did that practically was when our girls were in primary school, um, church was on a Friday night and a Sunday morning. But a Friday night was a real popular night for kids to have parties or to invite like their friends over for sleepovers. And so we said to the girls, you can miss church three times a year. So they had a a free church skipping pass. And so if their best friend was having a party on a Friday night, they would choose to go to that and that would be one of their three nights of the year. Um, But if it was someone in their class that they weren't super close to, then they would not use up a pass on that because we wanted to really instil in them how important it was to go to church. When they got to high school, we didn't have that rule. They self-regulated it. But by then it was too late. They were spoiled for church. And so (laughs) they would say to their friends, oh, we can come at nine. (laughs) And they'd go late to parties. Um, And then also um, when they were at youth age, we dropped... Because the youth leaders here are amazing, and they will offer to pick up your kids and drop them home. Um, but we we decided that that was really important for us to do, because we wanted them to know how important it was that they, for us that they went to youth. And there was a time, this is crazy, but our kids were zoned to City Church Youth, so they came here on a Sunday and went to City uh, for Youth on a Wednesday night. And so Darren and I would drop them off on a Wednesday night and go to Chibo's and read the paper, and then go back and pick them up. Because even though that's annoying, right, um, we just wanted them to know that it was super important to us that they went. It hasn't always been smooth sailing for our girls. One of our girls was the only Year 12 girl when she was in Year 12 that regularly went to youth, which means you have no friends your age. And who knows, that's tough. Um, One of our other girls was, um, I think her love language is negotiation. And so she hated Kids Church, even though her dad was the pastor, awkward. Um, And she'd say, I want to sit in church with you, mum. This is probably when she was like in year one, year two. And I'd say, you can sit in church with me today, but for the next three weeks, you have to go to Kids Church without complaining. And so she would do it because we'd made a negotiation. But I was trying to train her, you know, like, it might be comfortable for you to sit in church with me, but the goal is that you go and get your own relationship with God, because that's what kids' church does. And then also, one Saturday, one of my girls when they were in year 12, one Saturday night, she said, I only go to church because you make me. So I said, you know what, I'm lifting that rule, you go to church if you choose to go to church. And so... Obviously, uh, we were on staff by this stage, so we'd got up early and gone to church, and then she obviously got up after we'd gone and got dressed and came to church because you teach your kids not to steal, and when they're older, they find it very difficult to steal. We taught our kids to also go to church, and when they were older, they found it very difficult not to go to church. They love Jesus. They serve in youth and other departments. They keep their rooms clean. Who am I kidding? (laughs) But you know what? They're kind-hearted girls that love God and we're super proud of them. Awesome guys. Isn't that cool? I don't know about Steve Kilcoin
0: to come join me. Steve and Linda are, you know, pillars in our church, have been for many years and have served at different times in the church, but are called to marketplace influence. And what I love about their life is that while God has blessed them and God has used them for influence in so many ways in their career and their finance, church has been central to what God is doing through them. Steve.
3: I really appreciate this opportunity to um, share the impact that this particular church has had on my life. Um, When I was 18, God led me to come to this church. I'm now 60. Um, so that's 40 odd years worth of amazing ups and downs. But I want to speak specifically that God called me into business, and I want to speak directly to the young people, the new generation that are coming up that are going to be business speakers. leaders, politicians, doctors, accountants.
0: Yes, come on, man.
3: Um, everything I learned of import in business actually came from the church. And the first place it started with was service and faith. So I'll speak to that area first of all about faith. Pastor Andrew was an incredible gifted evangelist, but he was also a man of great faith. And he taught me, for want of a better term, the mechanics of faith, which was always prayer. And he'd say, did you get a word, meaning from Scripture? It had to line up with Scripture. It had to be a specific word. And then he'd say, write down the vision, make it plain and keep it with you. Now, that's something Linda and I have kept all our lives and we've taught our children the same thing. So um, even though I was unqualified as a graphic designer and at that stage, digital publishing hadn't evolved, um, I went on a 12-month fast. Pastor Andrew believed in fasting and prayer. So I went on a 12-month fast. I ate one meal a day. <laughs> that's a long time ago. Um, one meal a day um, in the evening, continued to work, And during that time, a supernatural breakthrough happened. At the end of that, God spoke to me and says, come out of the place you're in. I was working for a printing company. Come out of the place you're in. It's going to have problems. There was no sign of that at that stage. Everything was really cool. But I was obedient, started to make an action plan. Somebody came up to me in the church and said, I'm going to give you $46,000 to start a business. That's when houses were $42,000. So you need to understand that is hundreds of thousands of dollars in today's money. So we just had the go, but that came out of prayer, faith. Now, the most primary thing is service. Service is something that this church is based on. Not because they want something from you, because our pastors lead from the front. I remember vividly Pastor Ashley, they had, I think it was Hillsong one day, and as soon as the whole Hillsong one-day thing had finished, Pastor Ashley was down the front with a broom, helping everybody move chairs. I've seen the same thing with Pastor Josh and Shana. I've seen all our staff roll up their sleeves. So that act of service—and the one key thing about business—is this: you're only as good as you serve. It's not about you at all. Yeah. It really isn't. Come on, man. So. The fact you get paid means you've served and you've served appropriately. So that's that's a space I really feel that we should we should um, focus on. And there's one small thing. Have I got another minute? Go. Are you sure? Yeah. You can push me off. There you need go. To. Okay. Good. Um, one of the key things is the prophetic. This yeah. church is based on the prophetic. There's a powerful prophetic ministry amongst the entire staff and also in the pew. So we believe in prayer, prophetic. So recently I was in seven years with a contract where my hours were topping out at 112 hours a week, starting at 2, 3 in the morning, going through 11, 12 at night. I was dead on my feet and I just felt I just can't go any longer. The company was incredible. They were very kind. They paid me well, but I felt my season was coming to an end. And one weekend it hit a critical point saying, I just don't feel I can do this after months of doing this. And I said, I've got to hear from God. So I could make all the decisions, Linda and I prayed about it, but the only place I could get that resolution was coming to church. And a big shout out to Pastor Alice. She preaches about Lazarus. And just as an aside, whoever did that video on the Lazarus, that is sheer genius. So (laughs) keep it up, keep up the good work. But anyway, Pastor Alice started to preach about uh, Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb and Jesus didn't go into the tomb. So there's Lazarus like tails popping to the front of the tomb, but he's still bound. And that spoke to me immediately saying, yes, I've got the release, you've got the go, but I was still bound to this contract. I couldn't drop it. I couldn't leave it. And then... It dawned on me as she was saying, then Jesus sent them in to unbind their hands or by unbind Lazarus's hands and feet. And that was the fact that, yes, there was life, but he hadn't been liberated to do the next aspect of calling. And that came from family, that came from the community around Lazarus. They put him in the grave, but they were then sent in to unbind his hands. Hands speak of creativity and. Unbinding the feet means mobility and location. And after a period of 16 weeks, we had miracle after miracle on, that Steve. my replacement was found. Um, I was given a substantial gift to do this new venture I was about to enter into, but it, I got the word here. Yeah. So consistently coming here on, is when I'm engaged.
0: So enjoyed. Thank you, can we thank Steve? How cool is that? And it, how they live their life, only a touch of what God does through this into their life. I'm gonna invite Maddie up, can we we welcome Maddie? I I want Maddie just to speak for a moment. What I love about Maddie is at a young age, lives a life to the full, incredibly gifted and talented, and God has used her in ways not many people have right across our world, but I see such a balanced foundation that's come from being in church that God outworks in your life. Maddie.
1: Hello, I'm Maddie. Um, I've been in this church since I was about seven years old and now I'm 20-something and I love this church. Um, So when I was growing up in this church, I didn't go to a Christian school. So a lot of the um, older youth leaders really spoke into my life and helped me develop my faith and relationship with God. And um, this church, a lot of the um, youth conferences and like youth camp coming up, those things are really fundamental in, you know, having vision for my life for the things that God wanted to use me for and do. And um, when I finished school, I went to university, but I also became a youth leader here um, at the city campus. And being a youth leader taught me how to share my faith more openly. I got to be a worship um, on the worship team at our youth and lead people into the presence of God. And um, then my dream, since I've been a little girl, I've been a dancer. Thanks mom and dad for putting me in classes. Um, (laughs) They wouldn't let me miss a birthday party like Caroline would do, but they would let me miss for dance if I really needed to. Um, They saw the gifting on my life and the calls. So thanks for doing that mom and dad. Um, And yeah, so when I turned 21, I um, scored my dream job. I got to go to America and train in Florida for a cruise ship. And I got to travel to Europe and Japan and I've worked for Disneyland in Paris as well recently, which is blows my mind. You know, this church taught me to give my dreams to God and surrender them to Him so that He could do more than I could do in my own strength. So and I've totally seen that in what He's doing in my life and more things to come that um, the faithfulness that um, I've grown because of what He's done already, I know He's gonna do those things too. Um, and yeah, being away, you get lots of opportunities to speak to people who you wouldn't maybe have walk into a church. And I remember having a conversation when I was in Paris with another musician. And he said, "Um, do you find it difficult being in this industry and being a Christian? And I thought about it and I went, honestly, I couldn't do this without being a Christian. The highs and the lows, the unemployment in between, um, couldn't do it without God. And when when I'm away, I miss my family, I miss my friends. I get to FaceTime them and then coming home, is the best part. Get to come home, have family dinner time. Um, and it's the same with church. You know, I did a lot of podcasts. We didn't have our online campus back then. Um, but yeah, coming home for church, you know, it's it's family as well. So coming back in for the first time after six months away, there's people who have known me my whole life on the door, greeting me with hugs. Get to come home, serve, um, sorry, worship freely in the presence of God and now I get to be part of the dance team here at church. I get to be part of an awesome Connect group. And this is my home.
0: That's so good, Maddie. Come on. I love this, right? Because the can this is the story of us. And there's people all through this auditorium I could point to the same thing that a living life, trusting God, seeing what He's put on their life at work with the church in the center. And say, like, God never by talking about the church being the center, it's never to take from you. We don't serve a taking God, we serve a giving God. But when you give to His priorities, when you're a part of what He prioritises, when it's central to your life, His plan is not to take from you, it's in the gift and shape and dream and priorities of your life that He will give to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over His benefits and His presence. Let me finish with this. because We live in a world that is radically individual and I want to talk about that next week. You don't miss out because you're in the center of His plan and will. It's there you're in the center of His benefits and presence. And Hebrews tells us, don't neglect gathering together. He Put it on the screen for me, He says, let's not neglect our meeting together. I love how the writer of Hebrews says this, as some people are doing. <laughs> don't, don't neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of His return is drawing near. Can we admit for a moment when we look at COVID and we look at civil unrest and we look at political uncertainty and we look at the diseases around the world and we look at the wars between nations and we look at the natural disasters and we look at the radical selfishness in our world today, He is coming soon. The end of time is near. And this is what's interesting is that the world is pushing us and the church to the margins of our priorities, but God would say never more than now should it be in the centre of who you are. Hebrews New King James Version says this. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of the church over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. Let me simply finish today with saying if you want the fullness of the head, if you want the fullness of Jesus, if you want the fullness of him, it's found in the church. The fullness of grace. He's found in the church the fullness of power. He's found when you are the church, the fullness of influence. He's found when you are the church the fullness of healing. He's found when you're the church the fullness of provision. He's found when you're the church the fullness of relationship. He's when you're the church because Jesus, who is the fullness of all those things, gives it to His Church. So, what do we do today? Well, simply, I'm asking you, maybe all of us from the newest to the most experienced in being part of a church, maybe we just need a perspective shift. I know I've had one as I've studied for months on this just to get this into my spirit. Romans tells us, don't be it says, uh, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your. Maybe all I'm saying is, what if there's a different perspective? Maybe there's a different way of looking at this. Because maybe if we look at Scripture and see how Jesus saw, not me, but us, then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And His will has always been to outwork all that He has that could be tested and approved through the church. I'm simply saying this. I am grateful when God looked at me, He looked at me through Jesus. Are you thankful for that? He didn't see me in my sin and my failure and my shortcomings and my faults. I'm asking you to see the church through Jesus. And then, like the early church, that were devoted to each other, devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to breaking bread, devoted to the temple and homes, devoted to meeting the needs of one another, devoted to the church because Jesus was devoted to his church. They had no lack, and the Lord added to their number daily. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you, and inspired you. You know we may never have met; I may not know you, but God knows you, and I'll tell you today, God loves you. That. Even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.